2: Hello and welcome to Music In My Life with me, Laura Wright. It's the show where we talk about the music we love so much, our relationship with that music and the role it plays in our life. What is it about music that taps into our emotions and why does it make us feel a certain way? This week's guest has had somewhat a glittering career in the world of rugby league. Today I'm talking to Mr Jamie Peacock, MBE. I'm going to say that as well, just to make sure that you all hear that loud and clear. I'm going to run through some stats of his career first because there is... Almost too much to mention today, but in total, I believe that he has made 288 appearances for Rugby League Team Leeds Rhinos. He's won 47 caps for England and Great Britain, including captaining both and being named International Forward of the Year in 2006 and 2007. And in total, he's won nine grand finals, four challenge cups, four world titles across a 19-year career with Bradford and Leeds. And of course, as I mentioned, he's received an MBE for his services to Rugby League and rightly so I know a few of my friends in the rugby world are very excited that I'm getting to chat to you today and I'm really really grateful for your time so thank you how how are you doing how's this year been I know you've been busy with work and let's maybe talk about you know the the book that you've released earlier this year as well how's it all going?
1: hey laura yeah firstly it's great to uh be on here i I love music you know it's been such an it's an important part of my life you know i'm quite an emotional person and and you got that right there you know music connects with us on such an emotional uh level for me yeah i mean this i mean the last 15 16 months have been not what anybody really expects would be and i think we've all been getting used to the changes and, and adapting to them and um i've had to do the same I, I i've retired from playing professional sports set up a business and then obviously you're not allowed to go meet people or deliver talks or go into school so all that kind of stops i you know you mentioned a book i brought out a well-being book i just think well-being is just just really important for people and i think the the thing around well-being is that people need to understand that it's simple uh it doesn't need to be over complicated and we we're making small kind of little changes. You can make big changes, to make yourself feel better and allow you to cope with the, the changes that COVID have put upon us. But yeah, I'm doing all right. I'm doing good. I'm I'm doing better than all right. I'm doing good.
2: And what, what are the things, you know, talking about that, what are the things that you've found that have helped you over the past however many months? Because I know there's been things for me that have been really, really important. Like you say, really simple, just having a bit of a routine, for example, in the morning or whatever it may be. But what's helped you personally kind of get through what's been a, a pretty weird time?
1: Yeah, I think it's a great question. I, I think for me, there's, there's a couple of things that I think, um, for me, it's about Making sure you're grateful for things that I think it's such a big thing, but it's spoken about a lot. But it's true, and I think thing for me is just try to find one thing every day that I'm positive about or I'm grateful for allows you to feel not too bad about the things that are going on. And I think how you perceive any event is down to you. You know whether you perceive it as positive or, or negative. And then just around that, I think good routines around my sleep, my diet, and physical exercise have helped it for me. I, I love training, I'm institutionalised to train, but there's such good benefits from just going out and running, and I just think, I think it's good, I think one of the most challenging things for people in lockdown has been what you eat, right, and I think um, for me it's been about trying to just be a bit self-disciplined, and yeah, good routines key, and I think good sleeping patterns, and what I've been doing really, staying away from the news as well, right, bad news sells, so I just said I used to love the news before, like COVID, and then about three months into, I thought, "Why am I watching this?" You know, because they just they just like bad news, and so stopping doing that has had a real positive impact on me.
2: Yeah, I completely that. No, I agree. And I feel like that I feel like that has changed as well. I know that the news is a place that we've always felt can be quite a negative space, but I feel like it has got a lot worse in recent years. And I agree with you, there was a point that was around, yeah, three, four months into the pandemic. And I just thought, I can't sit here and feel this sort of agony of seeing people's lives being sort of torn apart and changed and people that you know, let alone people that you don't know. And then just seeing the the sort of, Injuries across the world that were happening—it was just too much. And I think you're right, avoiding that kind of thing. And I suppose also something I wanted to ask you was—you know—you say like you've come out of professional professional rugby, but you've you've been on both sides of it, where you've been coaching and you've also been a player. Have you been speaking to you know former teammates, you know, going through this time and, and helping them as well?
1: Yeah, I do speak to. I have probably helped out help quite a few. Teammates, more than I, I think really, just by a couple of people I know who've struggled. I've spoken to them and, and helped them get back on, onto track and realise the, the kind of good attributes you you have as a, as a player. I think a lot of players don't realise that to be successful in professional sport, you need quite a lot of life skills that people actually do want in, in the real world. And for me, I think when I've seen some people struggle... I've tried to reach out to them and try try to help them and just try to speak to them and, and try to be a, a kind of positive influence to people. If they listen to it, it's a different story, Laura, but <laughs> that's what I've been trying to do. So, yeah, I think we've I think we all got a duty to do that, right? You know, I was speaking to somebody else the other day about kind of mental health and just thinking that, you know, if if you're good mentally with your health, then I think you should take time to check out on other people. I think if everybody do did that, say, like, if your mental health's great, well, maybe on a Friday, you spend twenty minutes thinking about your friends, and maybe one's been a bit quieter, or someone's dropped off social media. and kind of contact them and and do a bit that way rather than wimp. rather than sending the message out. It's all right to talk. Why don't you know the people who are all right talk to the people they think might might need help instead as well? I think.
2: Yeah, I agree with you. And I think also you make a good point there where, you know, if they have dropped off social media, because we can see now when people aren't as present as they have been. And actually, that's a really good cue and a key to know that actually maybe something's not quite right. Um, So let's let's talk about music. That's why we're here. Um, so when when it comes to, you know, your playing career, did you listen to music before you went out for a game or has music, it's a big question I always ask people as well, you've already said music's been a massive part of your life, has it always been there or has it been something that's sort of come and gone?
1: Yeah, I, I love the question. Um, yeah, I think... I've always loved music, I think I remember liking music as a kid, I remember listening to music, you know, when I was younger, when my mum and dad had the music on and a record player, and I remember always looking at album sleeves, thinking they look great as a, you know, five and six year old looking at an album sleeve, and I think, for me, I've got an association with music and playing it all the way through, but playing rugby, I remember listening to music as a 12 and 13 year old before games, and it's something I kind of continued on throughout, the uh, rest of my playing career that I'd always listen uh, to music, you know, before games. 20 minutes before we got to warm up, we'd have to take our earphones off. But I'd start listening to music for about 20 minutes before that. And it's always funny to me that there'd always be a kind of song that would like, a company, a season. Or, and I always found that towards the back end of the seasons, when you get to, like, autumn time, lots of good songs have come out, I thought. I thought good albums came out then and... And then you'd often find one that in and around September, October, that I think it get you in um, uh, uh, contact with you emotionally or, or, or strike a chord with you emotionally. And then I kind of use that one to get myself in a good state to play the sport, you know, to be at that higher level of intensity, ready to do whatever it takes. And, and I think, for me, you know, I've got that association music with playing, but also I love the outside, you know. I, I love having music on when, when I'm having a drink or, or with people. I think it's such an important part of, of having a good evening.
2: Yeah, definitely. Well, let's get into it. So I've given you eight questions and you've got we've got five choices today. Um, and, yeah, this is a song that always cheers you up first. So this is Mr. Blue Skies, Electronic Light Orchestra. Um pretty uplifting song for you tell me why and is it a specific memory for you that it holds
1: yeah i think a lot it's an obvious choice right uh this this song i think when you do hear this song i think it, it instantly lifts your mood anyway without having any memories associated with it but for me I, i've got some good positive memories associated with uh in 2017 i was fortunate to be involved with the england rugby league again and be the team manager and um we were touring Australia for like nine weeks as part of the World Cup, and uh, it's a long time to spend together. It's nine weeks with, uh, with with a with a group of players trying to look after them uh, and manage them. And, and when you're like the manager of a team, you, you have to. You're a mix between being Mary Poppins and manning them, and being like Winston Wolfe, you know, our Pulp Fiction, making things just disappear. Nobody needs to know about it. But for me, at the beginning of the tour, we were based in uh, we we're based in Perth. And we uh, we had like a ten week training camp. We all had three vans, you know. And I was driving one of the vans. And every time we were in the van, I'd put this song on because I, I think it's a great song anyway. But then obviously some of the younger players got them introduced to it, and then it kind of was a song that featured all the way through the weeks of the tour. And we made it all the way to the final, you know, lost by an ankle tap to winning the World Cup final in Australia. I mean. And it was just such a great tour, like spiritually, emotionally and rugby-wise with the group. And whenever he hear that song, it reminds me now of that tour and the good times we had in all the different places in Australia and New Zealand. And, you know, at the end of the trip, um, there was uh, two days before the final, myself um, and two other members of staff put together like a kind of video montage of the trip through photos. This was the first song. On there, and I think so, you speak to some of the players now and staff who were on that tour, and it was the greatest tour of all time. And whenever he ELO reminds me of being on that tour, reminds me of having having a good time. And even like my son, uh, when he was like 14 years old, he heard the song and he said, "You know, I played that to myself on the way to bus to for school." So it shows you that it's not just me as a you know 40 year old man that likes 70s, <laughs> but like a 14 year old <laughs> can like it. You know, on his way to. Um, so, So for me, it's a great song with great memories, Laura.
2: Yeah definitely I think you're right it crosses generations doesn't it and actually when I was looking up this I had I, I was having a little look on YouTube and there's a live version as well with Ed Sheeran so you know you've got someone like him who's sort of bringing it through to a younger generation now as well and it is those iconic songs don't go away and they do they they connect with every generation um let's have a little bit of a listen to it now so you can you can go back to 2017 those happy memories. um let's hear them. Mr Bruce guys <laughs>
0: The
1: the guy who who wrote it, he was on BBC Two before saying how he wrote it, you know, and he was saying he was in the Alps and it was really like misty. And then, like, an hour later, it all lifted. And that's how the song started, Mr Blue Sky.
2: Just just stolen my story, I was going to tell you. Because you were saying saying as well that it's something that, oh, you know, it's an obvious choice. But And and I I think when you look at the lyrics, like you say, sun is shining in the sky, there ain't a cloud in sight, it's stopped raining, everybody's in in the play, and you don't know, it's a beautiful new day. But actually... You know what? I think the thing is there re- There are reasons why things are cheesy and why things work and, and things, you know, in a way. And it's because it does. It lifts our mood. It makes us feel good. And, and I think sometimes music, for me anyway, music is a place where you can be in an emotion for that time and then you can sort of close the book and say, right, you know, that's done. And that can be sadness. That can be humour. That can be aggression. You know, it can be all sorts of things. It's a channel for whatever kind of energy, if you like. And I think this is just this for me is just that iconic sort of positive song, isn't it?
1: Yeah, 100% you've nailed it. I challenge anybody to listen to that in the morning and not feel better, you know?
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think we should all listen to it every morning, especially yeah. during the pandemic. <laughs> <laughs> um, and also, uh, there was something else when he was talking about writing this song, that they have a cowbell in it. I mean, I don't know a song where a cowbell is made to sound cool either, to be fair. No, so. No. Yeah, and and to be like also, I have to say, even when it was a uh, 2015 that Ed Sheeran did a performance with him, uh, with Jeff Lynne and Richard Tandy um, at, at the Grammy Awards, and even then it was kind of like Ed, you know, just like leave it to the, you know, to the <laughs> and that's saying something, isn't it? Um, yeah, it
1: is. Yeah, yeah. If you can't make it, Ed can't improve on Jeff Lynne, then yeah. <laughs> yeah
2: okay let's talk about this completely different this is a song about a love for you um we're talking about this song briefly before we started recording Fleetwood Mac I mean again what a band and also what songwriters but is it a specific memory for you on this one or is it a general thing
1: yeah I think it just yeah it's probably a general thing um so you know I think Fleetwood Mac are just just brilliant I just really really love the music just um I, I just think Really easy to listen. So great, great lyrics, and just just the amount of good songs are produced were just incredible. But for me, I I think this one is the the choice out of all of them. So I obviously been I've not spoken about it. So obviously yeah, I've been through a divorce. Uh, it's a messy time for everybody involved in that. And then you know, with my um, you know new partner now. I have kind of sort of introduced it into how important Fleetwood Mac are, and actually they are really good by just playing it all the time on vinyl, <laughs> and then through that, we kind of you know this song stood out, and I think I think you know when you you have couples and stuff, you have kind of songs that resonate with you and, and mean stuff to you, and I think this is the one that that stands out for us for us two uh, among Fleetwood Mac as, as as an actual band. You know, we went down to watch them. Uh, in Wembley. I was, I was um, gonna ask
2: you that. Yeah, I was gonna say, have you ever seen them live as well?
1: Yeah, so we we went down um to see them in uh Wembley. Um uh, my, my my partner Anna and, and my sister and her husband, and they were they were awesome. I know they're getting old and that, but the songs are just the timeless again, right? Timeless songs are those, Laura. But um inter- interesting in this, just like to relate that to other one. The Kitman from the, the Rugby League World Cup. He he was an old guy, right? Great good guy, but been in the navy. And he saw Fleetwood Mac. He said in a room with about hundred people in the seventies in Miami when that when they came off. He said it's just, he said it stays with me forever. I said you don't know like how jealous I am and other people are oh, after you've been able to do that. And he'd go, yeah, yeah. I look back now and think I was a, a very lucky boy to be. Able to have done that. And he said they were just kind of making it then, but I'd heard of them and I thought we're in Miami. We're staying in Miami as the neighbour. I'm going to go see him, and they said, "Was that anybody in the Unreal. Oh, so. my
2: God, that is incredible. <laughs> and do you not find people like that in that walk of life? Those people who work so so hard, like ground staff or anyone like that, they always have the best stories. They always have them. Like those stories up their sleeves, where you're like, "Oh yeah, I saw Prince in a room with ten people. You know, just playing on his guitar." You're like, yeah. "What?"
1: <laughs> yeah 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 you're right yeah there, there's yeah i reckon behind most people though if you search deep enough when they get older there's a good story in there somewhere
2: yeah
1: exactly he had loads but that was one of his yeah it was amazing but yeah they're yeah. a great band and i just think again i think it's just such an awesome song it's a really good song with good memories you know when you've got a good song with good memories it's perfect right
2: let's uh go there now let's listen to some of everywhere, you know everywhere. That it do you sing that oh ah, do you sing it
1: I, well sing is a very loose term <laughs> I, <know that> word. <laughs> I can uh, talk loudly to it <laughs> I I've about a few drinks, i'll probably say i i, I love music but I, ain't, <laughs> I ain't got a musical uh bone in my body unfortunately
2: <laughs> ah so it. this is yeah but this is where I disagree because your music choices are great music you are yeah. musical in and that's the thing i think people are like i can't sing it's like yeah but you know what good music is when you hear it you know and that that's all you need that's what that what that's what allows you to enjoy it at the end of the day do you so you were saying you've kind of played this so this is one that you wouldn't listen to in in headphones you'd have it out loud sort of dancing around. yeah
1: yeah definitely yeah i think it's great with a a, definitely i get it on my record player and i think it's a great song to have on you know at the end, end of the week i love Putting some Fleetwood Mac on on a Friday on on, on the vinyl and a couple of beers and a glass of wine, great way. Or even on a Sunday afternoon is a good one as well, with family around and well, yeah.
2: Okay, so we're go- we're going to a Christmas song now. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, a song from your childhood and something that you've you know you said to me beforehand as well. It reminds you of just really good Christmases, the time of family. Um, yeah, tell me more about this one. Is it a specific artist that got you to listen to this song, or was it just the idea of the song?
1: I just think for me, it just—I think the idea of the song is just just brilliant. I think you know Bob Geldof pulling everybody together, like, and when you hear, when you watch any programs about all oh, them pop stars didn't really like each other, there's quite a bit of rivalry, right? And he's got them all in a room together to do something actually really worthwhile. Uh, And for me, I think it resonates with me and has good memories because I I was really into the kind of like the famine plight as a kid, right, Uh, uh, when I was younger, like that kind of age, like between how old will I have been, like between seven and nine. Okay, you know, so to the point that I'm going to digress and come back that when I was like uh, nine, I wanted to do a charity run to raise money for like people in Ethiopia. And my mum said, you're only nine, you know, you can't run three miles by yourself. You're not allowed off the street. So I went, well, I'm going to run around the street then till I have run three miles. And I did that and raised about £26 or something for, for, for people in Africa. So it really resonates with me that they did that for that. But it just kind of reminds me that in, like, the, the 80s, like, as a, as a family growing up, I think the 80s were quite a challenging time to, to, to be in, you know, in, in Britain. There's a lot of things happening, a lot of change, and it's a different place to what you're growing up right now and you know we were really working class and you know quite a lot of times we couldn't have certain things but i think always at christmas my mum and dad made a big effort with things and and i look back with really fond memories and happy memories of christmas and that song in particular and everyone singing together um really just kind of well, every time I hear it now as an adult, it takes me back to being a, a child and having a, a like a happy, nostalgic feeling. And I think that's what good parenting's about, I think, a bit, isn't it? That I've, I remember feeling really safe and really happy and uh, in, enjoying myself. And I think you know that's kind of the memories I'd like to give my children around Christmas. And I think you can see then that that music was part of that it wasn't just about people being around there it's about having good music on it and I I love that song then uh yeah so that's kind of that
2: also I think also it makes when you said there as well about being safe and happy it's that feeling I think like you say if you can create that environment for a family as well that is just it doesn't matter about anything else does it? it doesn't matter about the materialistic stuff it's just those memories of I think it's that fondness of one another like I grew up with three older brothers and and I absolutely loved it like I honestly I loved it it was like just being a tomboy and but having that interaction as well and having siblings around me and and now we're all so close as well which I feel so lucky to have and obviously your family grows and then you have your own family and I think you also change Perspective when you have kids yourself, of, of just how hard it is sometimes as a parent, whatever your setup is, to create that environment. And actually, to hear you say that, you know, I bet just it's just lovely to hear that and that, that sort of fondness that you have with not only this song, but I guess that time anyway. Sorry, I was really cheesy. I just no, I, I... no, you,
1: you you nailed it. You, it's absolutely right. <laughs> sometimes you know, it's absolutely right what you say with that. That I, I totally agree with. You. Totally couldn't agree with you more, Laura.
2: Well, here it here it comes. Let's let's go to December twenty fifth. there as well about all the different personalities of like how this song was put together so for people i'm sure everyone knows this but i didn't realize it was put together in literally 24 hours so i mean it was like basically as they recorded the first group choruses they were filmed by the international press. The footage was rushed to newsrooms where it was put out. And then while that was happening, they finished off the rest of the recording process. And then it was later that Phil Collins put his drums in. You've got, you know, Spandau Ballet or Tony Hadley, Status Quo, you've got Paul Weller singing. Like, I mean, it's just, it's insane. It's crazy. And, and I think, like you say, so many egos coming together and, and just, oh, it's incredible.
1: Yeah, and there's just, like, legends of music in that, and there's so many legends of it together, and I think that it's, the, apps, the story of that, if you ever get a chance to watch it, it's amazing, but also just the context of no mobile phones, no emails, you know, the, <laughs> to get all this done without any of that, like, social media or anything, it's just incredible.
2: Yeah, no, no DMs to be like, hey, how are you doing? It's literally, yeah. pick up the phone and be like, get on a plane, yeah. come to the recording, t- it's happening, you're like, done, done. Yeah,
0: yeah, exactly, yeah. If you like this podcast, then why not check out one of our other amazing Create podcasts. If you just want a good laugh, then check out The Weekly Roast. Listen, listen, bitch. Oh, listen, Make an entrance. I'm a week off sugar. <laughs> I, will,
1: I will fly
0: <laughs> to the UK and I will cut you both <laughs> Well, maybe it's just a good goth you're after. Georgie Porter and Sharon Carpenter are your go-to girls on Loose Lips. So it's, mine's- girth, so it's got girth, yeah. It's mine, got Mine is quite spindly and and plastic. This is like long. Prefer a deep chat? Connie's got you covered on How Are You, the Wellbeing Podcast.
2: So I just became a lot more productive and happier, mm-hmm. and for me, like that's just worth it.
0: Just three more podcasts to feast your ears on. Find them wherever you found this podcast.
2: Okay, so a song that I didn't know that well next, an Arcade Fire song. This is your song for, for tough times. Um, tell me about this one.
1: Yeah, I mean, um, okay. So in uh, 2011, um, my dad got diagnosed with like uh, lung cancer, stage four terminal lung cancer. Got told he had three months left to live, you know. And I, I had to take the phone call for that when I was on holiday, holiday in Florida. So you can imagine, like, if you... you <laughs> it's the worst phone call I've ever had in my life. But then you, you know, if, he for the net, he didn't live for three months. He lived for twenty for three months. You know, he he fought with everything he had. You know, didn't moan a word, didn't say a word, and, and it was really hard. You know, watching he, he was his fifty eight. Um, watching you know him deteriorate, but while also trying to play as well as playing, trying to play rugby. You know, because I can't not I can't stop playing. And unfortunately, you know, playing professional sport. So I, I think you know when say someone's passing away near you. I think people give you a lot of leeway in a normal job, but with professional sport, you, you've just got to play well, right? And then, I suppose when he when he uh, passed away, then in uh, two thousand and thirteen, I think looking back at you at, at the time, um, you, you it's sometimes hard to understand at the time the bubble you're in in terms of kind of grief and all um, and just sadness and um. I think for me, the, the the song really helped me out because I'm not a, a religious person, um, and, but I feel I feel spiritual, and I think they're two different things. And I think it would be really uh, arrogant to to say that there's no kind of uh, like spiritual world without the proof of someone saying, "Well, this actually doesn't happen." You think of all the things we don't know, and I, so for me, I, I'm open minded on it. I'm absolutely open minded on it and i think the song i used to listen to it a lot cuz i think he's in that song he, he's singing about that you know getting to see somebody in the afterlife and that they're still with them so for me it it really helped me through that kind of period the 12 months and 18 months after after and longer after my dad had passed away because it felt to me like you know that that he could be there in spirit and that he may be gone physically but Spiritually, he'll still be with me, and he'll he'll always still be with me in here. So if I choose to see him, I can see him. So for me, it, it just helped, you know, to have a song to go to like that. It's a bit different. yeah. So and did you,
2: and did you know it? Did you know it around that? Like, did, had you liked Arcade Fire's music or was it something that you, you know, how did you find the piece of music?
1: Oh, I love Arcade Fire. I really like Arcade Fire. I mean, I do, I've got, I'd love to go see them live. You know, I was really planning to go see them live. Some, maybe somewhere in Europe before COVID it. Um, but yeah, I'm a big fan of, of of Arcade Fire. I've been since kind of the, the first album, always listen to and listen to them before games. I, I just love how eclectic it is. And I just love how... I just think it's it's music with passion and emotion, and it's different. And for me, that that's the things that I value in life are passion and emotion. So it resonates for me. And you know, David Bowie likes them, so that's good enough for me.
2: Yeah, I was gonna <laughs> I say we'll like come that. on, we'll come on to that as well. Your <laughs> love, David Bowie. Um, let's have a listen to some of Afterlife now. I've
0: got
2: Uh, just unapologetic, you know?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, I like the brutal honesty about it. And yeah. I think, you know, that's for me, how you, having been through uh, a death of, of my dad, I think that's the best way to be around it for me anyway. And I just think, I think it's just, I, I think he nails, having been through that same situation, I just think he nails for me the essence and the feeling that I had at, at the time. Might not be for everybody, but for me, it worked for me, you know.
2: And I suppose, you know, you were saying as well that your that's what your life's about. is so that purpose and, and passion and, and that's what's important when you're doing, you know, a lot of what you do now or prior, obviously, to when, like you say, you're about to, you're allowed to see people and, and talk to people and, and give those sort of motivational um, talks that you do so well. Do you bring music into that or do you talk about music in that way or is it something that's kind of more personal?
1: i think it's probably it's a great question it's more personal i think for me i used to play the no white flag by dido at the start of of with some video Which is what
2: the book's called.
1: yeah that's right is that it from, yeah it came from that so in 2003 i won the man of steel and they played you know kind of no white flag then because you know my my reputation as a player was so i'll never quit i might not win the most time, but i won't quit you know I won't, i'll never wave a white flag and then Obviously, building in my talk, then the, that No White flag became a like, lot. I thought it was quite a recognisable thing to use. And then I used that um, music to show the footage of myself playing at the start um, so people can get a feel for what what it was like as a player. So, yeah, that's where that one ties in. But the rest of the music for me, it's kind of my... I like I like I I really enjoy uh, music, so I want to keep it to my kind of personal things, really. And, I, and you know, I suppose... When I was playing rugby, that's work, right? But it's, that, it's never worked for me, you know. You never work a day in your life when you do something you enjoy doing. So.
2: Yeah, but I do know what you mean. Like, I have to say, having been, you know, someone who, when I've been lucky enough to sing at the rugby and sing at different events. And actually, I think during the, the World Cup year rugby union, I sang Jerusalem so many times that actually I lost a little bit of love. For it. I ne- I needed to have a bit of a break for a moment so then come back in and, and it fill me with that passion again so it's hard because when your job and and your your passion and your sort of career that that helps financially they kind of come together I think it is hard to find balance sometimes
1: it is um, yeah you're you're so right with that I and mean, you were the challenge cup yeah did you do the challenge cup as well have you yes yeah uh, abide yeah, with yeah, me yeah. is that right yeah yeah,
2: yeah that's yeah, beautiful yeah God, that's
1: yeah, that's that. That's the the, the um, song we played at my my dad's funeral um, because, you know, m- my dad and me. Well, I've been going to the Challenge Cup since I was five years old, you know. So and the, uh, that song always reminds me of it. You know, five it's, it's a wonderful song.
2: Yeah, it's beautiful. Um, so okay, so this is a song that's always been with you. So- Two questions. We need to know about why this song, you know, I mean, the classic kind of epic combination of two great artists, but also let's talk about your undying love for David Bowie. <laughs> do you call him Powie or Bowie? I mean, I'm uh, I don't
1: how. know. How Bowie, I call him, but I don't How do you do it? David Bowie, yeah. It depends what mood I'm in. <laughs> um, yeah, a lot. I mean, this song, uh, you know, Under Pressure by Freddie Mercury and, and David Bowie. I mean, I, first of all, I'll talk about Freddie. You know, I always loved Freddie Mercury growing up. I know my dad loved him and my family did. It reminds me of my family all the time. I just thought he's just brilliant. I, um, you know, it's, there's a bit of a joke around me when I get drunk, my inner Freddie comes out when I want to sing and do songs and put all songs on. But then kind of David Bowie, I just I, I just think he's just a genius. You know, I've probably gotten into him later than, you know, kind of in my mid-20s. I really started to appreciate just how, how good he was and just, just what a pioneer, pioneer he was, and just, just an incredible, incredible artist. Um, to the point, you know, obviously, uh, <laughs> I, I went, I, I wanted to go on, as him in, in my fortieth. I dressed up as him. Uh, I fancy, I love fancy dress anyway, but I went as him as my fortieth, and yeah, it's just, I think he's just such an amazing artist, and just, and, and those two together, I think the the under pressure song. I just think it's a timeless one. I think you could listen to it now. And I don't really know music, but I think in terms of, like, production, I think that sounds as, like, fresh as it, you know, it could be produced now, whereas you listen to some songs from the early 80s, and you think, "Oh, that's terrible, you know? And I just think it's a really kind of uplifting song between two Just, just... Uh, a generational artist that both of them I do love and uh, it's one that I, I I loved as a child I loved in my 20s and I still love it now one that I put on and I think it's just just a great great song between two just outstanding artists people I, I really admire um, and I, I think I think you know like going to Freddie Mercury one just watching the um I think the the biography I really enjoyed watching that about him. It'd be great to see one like that about David Bowie. I think It'd be, you oh. know, that'd be kind of, that'd be awesome. Who would
2: who would play him though?
1: Oh, that be that's a great shout. That
2: I mean, <laughs> that is the, the question, isn't it? Yeah. Actually, that's something we should ask people, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I think that we
1: should
2: ask that. Yeah, who should play that role if it was a biopic on him? I mean, can you imagine if you got that phone call from a producer being like, "We want you." You'd be. I just if you were a fan of of his or because I think you're right as well. There's something about him that. Well, I think there's two things that you were talking about: the fact that they're iconic and and, and timeless. This music, you're right because. It does sound fresh now, but also when they were, you know, in their prime as artists and and touring the world, it's because also I feel like we allowed people to have careers that were longer. We allowed people to develop as artists. Whereas now you get an artist, they're put in a niche. We need to know what music they do. And it's like, no, you don't. As long as it's good music and it's creative, then that's fine, you know? And it might change because we all change. What you loved in, you know, when you were a teenager, you're not gonna love now. And what you've thought about life in your 20s, you don't think about it in your 30s. But I feel like we want to put people in a box now. And actually, these artists stay timeless. i I think, because they didn't have to do that. I don't know. Yeah,
1: I think that's a great point. I really agree with you with that, Laura, that I think personality-wise, you, what you know in your 20s is different who you are in your 30s, to who you are in your 40s. And if music's part, I don't, I don't write music, but I guess that music's part of who you are. So if who you are changes, then your music should change as well along the way. It shouldn't be kind of pigeonholed into just doing this kind of one thing. And, and they did have that freedom, I believe to do that. I think you're right to 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 express themselves and change, be the you know the, be who they wanted to be in terms of music and music.
2: Oh, and and visually as well. I mean, two like yeah. ones who just didn't didn't give a shit, did they? What, yeah. people? it was great. Right, okay, here it comes. Let's let's hear it now. That little scat singing at the start. Yeah. That was, you probably know this anyway because no. you're a huge fan, but that that was basically part of, like, it came out of a big jamming session, that piece of music. Oh,
1: right. No, I didn't know that, and yeah. that
2: was kind of them being like, you know, just kind of thinking, okay, that's where the melody might be, you know, and it was all kind of put together so quickly. And interestingly as well, there's always little stories, like allegedly someone wrote this bit, allegedly someone wrote that, because they were very, you know, they were just huge egos in a room together. But yeah. it was like, that was was put together again quite quickly but I mean that's again I know I like hammer it home but that's what makes it so good because you didn't get the opportunity to auto-tune something or um kind of like go down to the nitty gritty and change and it's probably I don't know if it's similar but for you you know with sport you, you can't go back and change the way that you played something out on the pitch you can't change a decision once this happens you, you have to be present you have to live in the now and I think it's, it has to be the same with music but because we can like technically change things now maybe it's the same as going back on a decision in sport you know like having VAR yeah. and stuff like that
1: yeah, I think so. I think um <laughs> I think it's about um being in the flow, I think. And in sport you're you can be in the flow and play at your best and I think with those two artists obviously they were in the flow together and didn't have all interrupting it and then you get just a genius song that lasts uh, a lifetime. But certainly for me anyway.
2: Yeah, no, I agree with you. I agree. With you. I am very upset that you didn't turn up in in Bowie fancy dress <laughs> today. I'm devastated.
1: <laughs> No, too I thought you make the effort. But... Yeah. I could have <laughs> yeah. come with a friend Mercury Tash that would have been easier.
2: <laughs> oh, and I was actually this is the the interesting about it as well that the video I think the official video was just like stock imagery of stuff because they just they were both boring and had no time, basically, to be like, no, nah, I'm not bothered. Or just just have something together. And everyone probably, I would watch it now, be like, oh, they must have thought about that so much. Yeah,
1: <laughs> they just went, no, I just put it out there. <laughs> I yeah, don't even exactly. think they sang it together. I think they might have sang it together once. That was yeah.
2: it. Yeah, I think so as well. I think they did it live maybe, yeah, once, once or twice. But, I mean, just imagine if you were one of the people there as well to see oh, that. Yeah. Really incredible um okay so we are almost at the end of our podcast which has been yeah it's been so nice to chat about music with you and and share some memories um but i have to now make a song suggestion for you so this is the nerve-wracking part for me to try and get it right um so i i think i you know i could have gone a bit rogue and tried to get something that was you know very new to you but i think it will be a song you already know but perhaps not a performance that you've heard of it um and I thought, well, I know that you're a huge David Bowie fan and I know that we've talked about Arcade Fire and I found a live performance of them doing something together of one of Arcade Fire's songs. Um, It was actually from like a fashion awards or something. Um, And I think David Bowie's quite, he's, yeah, he's getting on a bit in it obviously to perform with them, but it it just was something that I thought actually is quite a unique thing to listen to. and yeah something that i thought you might enjoy so i
1: love it laura it sounds great already you've convinced me already so oh, I don't thank need to it's,
2: a bit, it's a bit where i get a bit sweaty and i'm like come <laughs> on you've got to think of something good you're a musician um but yeah so i thought well let's come let's combine two of your you know great loves in life uh arcade fire and david bowie so this is wake up the arcade fire song live with david bowie and this is from yeah 2005
1: sounds great. It sounds brilliant, that doesn't it? I really appreciate that. It's a really, really good choice.
2: No, no, it's a it's a pleasure. And I think you know it's something as well that you can see online, but it wasn't ever recorded. So something that was just that moment in time. Again, about sort of being present, I guess. And I also think, aren't their voices similar? Yeah, they
1: are. Yeah, yeah, they are. I, no. I think he. I think he's. I mean, he's very distinctive, David Bowie. But I think he, they are similar in terms of that. You know, I bet he could. Uh, yeah, they're very similar.
2: I think they've got that, like, I don't know, it feels like they've got, like, heartache in their voice. Or something. Yeah, yeah. It feels
1: it's just cool a yeah. bit.
2: Yeah. Like I don't know how to describe Cole, it. isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'll send you the link to that and you can have a listen. But um, thank you so much. It's been so nice to talk to you about music. And I just think, you know, you're... A legend of, of the sport, but also just great to know what you're doing to help people now as well through what's been a really shitty time for everyone. So, I hope you know, I wish you the best with it. All right,
1: it's been it's really kind of you to say that and have me on the show. And I've just loved talking about music, it's a really important part of my life. And just the questions you asked me were just great and they brought back loads of really positive memories. And, and it's awesome you give me that song at the end. So, thanks for having me on as well. As well yeah,
2: it. thank you. I really hope you've enjoyed today's podcast and I'd love to hear about your favourite piece of music so make sure you pop a comment on Apple reviews with your song choice and the story behind it. I'm going to be reading out some of your stories in an upcoming Minnesota. Also we've now put our guest song choices in the show notes so if you want to hear any of their songs again you can find them there. Thanks so much guys and see you next time.